<laughs> Boom, there you go. <laughs> Look how real that is. I'm Bill Caswell, and we're with my friend Anders Green. Hey, how you doing, Bill? Pretty good. We uh, we decided to start our podcast. We got this new Road Podcaster Pro with all these awesome special effects. I was going to fade out the music. We're here with our live studio audience somewhere. Oh, I dimmed it. I got it all wrong. There they are. See? Yeah, I'm, I'm not sure they like us so much. They're already <laughs> laughing at our, at our shit. <laughs> we'll figure it out eventually, but it's got these cool effects um, that, you know me, I like my toys, so I'm already playing with them. All right. Well, uh, uh, what, we, what are we going to talk about today, Anders? I, I, speaking of, of playing with toys, one of my favorite toys has always got to be anything with high voltage, and I'm talking about welding, and, which technically, okay, it often runs only around 22 volts if we're talking MIG stuff and, and stick. But, uh, you know, getting that spark going, right? Uh-huh. So speci- How do you know it runs at 22 volts? Uh, I did take a course. <laughs> I got a little sleep with a paper, and it came with a very thick book. That electrical engineering degree has nothing to do with that. However, <laughs> so one thing that I did learn about welding, and uh, this is kind of like if you've never done it before, welding is super fun. It's also way easier Yep. When you're putting together a couple of uh, really nice pieces of fresh metal, like on a bench. Right, like big, thick angle iron. Absolutely. Like, I'm going to build a trailer on my bench. That is the best, most easy kind of welding. However, the kind of welding that, you know, like a car kind of guy mm-hmm. almost always ends up wanting to do or needing to do is sheet metal. Yep. And Which I hate. I've always hated it. Mostly because of the coatings on the metal. Number one, coatings on the metal. One problem that I found is like stuff that is literally in the metal. Like some of the car companies are like, we're going to use recycled metal for these parts of the stuff. And it's like, there's like paint chemical inside the sheet metal. It's like not high quality steel, which, okay, that's fine. That's news to me, man. I've only welded up BMWs. Yeah, if you get some like uh, some of the more uh, uh, a- Asian cars, like some, dude, some of the Subarus, it's like that steel is crappy. You're kidding me. Yeah, I mean, it's like no, it, but they gotta melt it down. It burns off all the impurities. It's just not like ooh, this is fresh, uh, f- fresh uh, iron and uh, carbon. It's not. And because then you get all the like the rubberized coating that goes into it and seeps into. You know everything. that I get that, and the right. paint and the uh, the galvanizing mm-hmm. and all that sort of stuff, but. The fact that the metal is recycled makes it uh, more contaminant to weld. It makes sense. Yeah, I, I think that for a lot of stuff they don't use. So, I, b- bottom line, yeah. my experience, which is I think is less than yours, has been that welding sheet metal on, like when you're actually on the car trying to fix stuff, and I don't mean like uh, like body panels that you're trying to make look pretty. I'm like. You know, structural. Like, like putting roll cage feet into the floor of the car and attaching it. Right, or or pulling out a wrinkle from something that you attach and you got to cut it and slice something in. Well, it's it's pretty, awful. So so do you have any tricks that no, you like? It's pretty obvious to me you know a lot more about this than you're leading on because I'm listening to like 22 volts and all these other things. You've taken classes and like I just bought the welder and started sticking it into things. Like seriously, right? Like a, like that kid with the square peg putting it through the round hole. Like mm-hmm. I, yeah, I just kind of did it that way. I bought a welder at Napa and just started gluing things. Well, and I think that is, is uh, in, in a way, the strength of it, because I can tell you a lot about a really nice way to weld things together <laughs> in theory. Well, there's a book right there, actually. Yeah. You look right down, it's like something in welding. Yep. That's my entire knowledge, and I just looked at a couple of things that didn't make sense, and then went yep. from there. Uh, on the impurities thing, 
Way back when, there's a company in Chicago called A. Finkel and Sons, uh-huh. and it's an old steel mill actually right downtown in the city. And they've been around forever, and they have like patents on everything, and they make uh, special steel for um, tool molding and for stamping. Okay, like high carbon, high strength. Really high carbon, really high strength. And I remember thinking like, there was a vat, like a cauldron that was like the size of a car, uh-huh. and they're pouring the liquid steel into it, right? But then they were adjusting, and they take measurements out, and measure the properties of the steel. And right. they had these like wheels that literally looked like MIG welding wire. Uh-huh. And they'd feed that in. And I'm like, you got to be kidding me. Like five feet of like a little thin wire, like a mill or two in diameter is going to change the composition of that giant cauldron. Really? But apparently the steel was so pure and so perfect that like they had it down to like microscopic adjustments to the steel. They had patents all over the wall. Like they're wow. one of the, yeah, so they're like really high tech, super high tech steel companies. So maybe, maybe this is something to look into. I just never thought of like, do different car companies use crappier steel and then people have a harder time putting welds into it? Well, I, I think that we can probably, uh, from a practical point of view, look at that question in the opposite way and say, do all car companies use exactly the same quality of steel? And I think we could say no. Well, I know for a fact they don't, right? Porsche right. developed high strength steel. Uh-huh. Like they actually, I think they have the, who knows, but they developed it. And the reason I know about it is, uh, you know, the jaws of life. Yeah. So the guys came and did a safety thing at Team O'Neill Rally School where they were cutting roofs off of cars and extracting people. Not because the rally school needs it, but there were a bunch of cars up there and it was a great place to do demonstrations. Right, demos and training and stuff. Yeah. yeah. And uh, like the new Ford Fiestas, yep. the traditional jaws of life will not go through the A-pillars. Wow. Because they have a middle layer of super high carbon, I don't know, super high strength German steels, they said. And I remember someone telling me that it was Porsche developed it to strengthen up their tubs and chassis and they use it in key places. And now all manufacturers use this special steel in like high rollover points. And it'll bend and bend and bend. The Jaws of Life will keep bending it and shaping and reforming it, but they can't cut it. So all the safety crews have had to upgrade to um, uh, serrated blades. Wow. On their jaws of life. Death jaws of life. Yeah, because if they're not serrated, it actually won't cut through. They'll just keep mangling it and mashing it. Right. So they're definitely not, not all steel's the same. And not all car companies use the same steel. And yeah. Well, so. Okay, so you wanted to go into my, my trick I was telling you about for how to weld sheet metal? I, yeah, this was one that was, was news to me because I, uh, like the my training uh, weirdly, which was like at a, at a nice, uh, you know, community college, you know, after school kind of thing. I always wanted to do that. Uh, it was good. I took it for TIG welding, right? Oh, wow. Right. So it was very high on like, this is precision technique. <laughs> well, yeah, oh, it's an education program. Right. And, and it's, and it's TIG, which is like, if you want to do precision welding, that has all of the control of the speed of wire and the voltage and the distance and the power and all the stuff. So it's your tech- still no different. They just separated the pieces out. Right. So so your technique really got at me and I like that is an interesting way to uh, not simulate, but emulate. Yeah. So the some farther TIG kind of stuff without a TIG machine. Yeah. The more stick out you have. So the farther away the tip of the MIG welder is from the steel, right. the less current jumps that gap. Okay. Like it's like less powerful. And I saw something in the book. I'm not describing this right, but it's, but basically like, so a larger air gap. Yeah. So normally you want like, um, I don't know, like quarter or whatever. You get the tip down in there in the steel, mm-hmm. right? And then that way you've got a good shielding gas to protect the molten metal. Right. Right. And you're welding in a nice cloud of inert gas so you don't, decon- you don't contaminate the metal. 
and then you set all your welding temps for that distance and that's all like proper. Mm-hmm. And and you're, are you doing a CO2 or a mix or what? For uh, 75-25. So it's at 75% argon, 25%, no, 25% argon, 75% CO2. Right. And you can weld 100% CO2, it welds hotter mm-hmm. with more splatter. And you can weld 100% argon, it's just more expensive. You can? That's what they do for TIG, it's usually all... No, I know, my oh. TIG bottles, but I can just hook that up to the MIG and run the same? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's all inert gas, but it's I just, get it. It's just cheaper to use more well, carbon dioxide if you can. Well, it changes the temperature of the weld. Ah, interesting. Also, yeah. So what they told me at uh, SRD, that off road shop that I was doing all the Baja Pig stuff at, yep. they run um, full CO two, and apparently it welds hotter. Interesting. I mean, I could be wrong, but that's what they were saying. So you can run, and you kind of see it. I guess I don't know. It's like a more spazzy weld. That's why there's more splatter. Mm-hmm. Apparently, it's like I wish I knew more about this. People are going to hate us on comments. Anyway, well, but so, but this is uh, you know it's much more born of practice is what we're talking about here. Well, it, yeah, and this gets people curious and start to learn on their own. Right. So, uh, so, so back to your. <laughs> I want to open the book. Back to your technique. I want to open the book. No, we got to. <laughs> so I use the the special effects. I know. Okay. I know you're a whiz at it. I know. I'm getting good at that. Okay, so uh, the technique. So basically, like, <clears throat> the sheet metal is really thin. I'm using a MIG uh, Miller 211. So I'm running it on 220 volt, and I'm using 0.030 wire. So everyone's like, oh, you're doing body work. You have to use, what is it, 0.24 or mm-hmm. 0.26? I forget what it is, 24. Everyone's got a favorite. No, but I mean, there's like, they make them in certain sizes. Like, there's like 030, 035, and then the little one's like 24 or something. Right. Okay, whatever. So uh, everyone says to use that, but I can't, if I run that and I touch it, like my, even if I turn, also my MIG doesn't really work. Like you figure there's like levels one through 10 because mine doesn't go to 11, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. And the top's the full current. The thing just does not work at one and two. Mm-hmm. Like it's just, it's it's just too spazzy. Like you touch the weld and the current goes in and out. And it's either too hot. It just jumps. Like I, I can't get the arc to start. I think, you know, really welding in general is always most difficult when you're trying to do something very delicate, right? Like welding trailers is always the easiest thing. Big pieces of metal and big current. But it, it's also most like a, like a, I think of it as like a, um, a torque wrench. Yep. Works really well from 20% to 80%. You know the values are spot on. Right. But at the lower ends and the higher ends, I'm not sure it's as accurate. Yeah, yeah. If it, that makes sense, maybe. Yep. And yep. the adjustments and stuff. Mm-hmm. So, like, I don't think I've ever turned my MIG below whatever number three is on the dial mm-hmm. for, for current. Right. Right. And then, so I start welding, and, you know, you, you hit the first spot. And a lot of times, like, the weld isn't, like, the metal's so thin that when you hit it, initially, you can either just burn right through. Mm-hmm. Or you hit contaminant from the... Yeah. Shit, the stuff that's in the metal or the the, the prep. Yeah, or and paint it, on the backside. Paint on the backside. Because yeah. I always prep the uh, outside and I try to get to the backside, but I don't right. always. And and you'd think it doesn't matter. No, it burns right through the steel. Right. And the problem is it like that paint will will melt and like burst. and That's it, correct. It pops through the molten weld like right. a little explosion of right. fire. Right? Right. Like, a, like a little water balloon went off behind the metal and blew through the... Exactly. Yeah. So, so, so for those of you listening, yeah, you'd think, why are you scrubbing the back of this? And then again, goes back to structural. If you're welding footer plates into a roll cage, you have to prep the bottom of the metal because gas rises 
right? Mm -hmm. So if you weld and you burn the stuff on the bottom, the car comes straight up to your weld. Yeah. But when I was welding the Super Coupe, the, this weird car I cut in half, I took a four-door and turned it into a two-door. Yep. Most of my welds were on the vertical. And I didn't have any of those problems because the gas just burned upward and did not come through the molten weld. Ah, uh, nice. Right? So it was a lot easier, I think, because my welds were vertical, not horizontal down into the floor of the car. Right. I see where you're pointing. But uh -huh. No one else does, but, but I do. Yeah, it's helping me. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, these effects are fun. What else is on here? Uh, oh, that's our studio audience. Yeah, yeah. Let's hear for let's hear for us. Thank let's you. hear for us. We're good. <clears throat> All right. So, uh, so that's one of it. So once you get the weld started, right, you yep. can do a bunch of really crappy little tacks where you just hit it, hit it, hit it, but you never. Bzz, bzz, bzz. Yeah, but it does doesn't work that well. And you have a lot of like kind of cold welds, yep. right? And you can see the pit in mm -hmm. the weld when the when the weld stops. It'd be like a little crater in the middle of it. And it's not really penetrated as well. And you figure like sheet metal, who cares? But the more penetration, the more uniform, the less chances of cracking later and how strong it's going to be. So you actually want to get some heat into the whole thing and get it to where it's like glowing red and melting the steel and the filler into the gap. Right. Problem is you do that like for a second on thin steel and the next touch of the torch burns right through it. And the, really what's happening is like the rod is pushing forward with such force Mm -hmm. It's almost pushing the molten metal out of the way. Right, right. The the MIG is spooling out and, and pushing the molten metal out of its place. Right. Right. So one of the things you can do is actually just pull back on the gun. Right. So like you've got a quick pause of a second before the next piece of MIG wire comes out of the gun and hits the metal. So the right, first because you're pulling away and it's still coming out forward and the net is a zero. Yeah, but you get like an extra millisecond. So basically like when you MIG weld it, the, the, the first tip hits it, deposits yep. it, and there's like a space. That's why you're like zzz, the buzzing. Yep. Is it contacting the metal depositing, breaking off the, the rod, and then the gun's pushing more out. It's again, it's just happening really, really fast. Yep. So if you do this, and as you're pulling away in the middle of it, you're zzz, and it'll be like there'll be like a quick pause as the MIG wire spool needs to cover the gap you just created. Right. And it's like a millisecond, but it's just enough to let the steel cool a tiny bit without stopping the welding process right. without turning off the gas by pulling off the trigger and without having that wire push through the molten. push the steel yep. the other thing that happens is the farther you move the mig wire away the less current apparently is going through this this mig it's got to travel down that wire and it's not it's like too far away it just won't like jumping that air gap just a little bit further. It's going to diffuse that heat. Uh, yep, and, but apparently it actually reduces the voltage. Like if you set the MIG right. at a certain voltage and we're able to like test it up against the metal where it's supposed to be, mm -hmm. and then you tried to weld with the gun, say, a half inch out, yep. the current, even if you picked up the wire speed right. so they could hit it regularly, the just having that much MIG wire outside of the electrode where the current's hitting it. Interesting produces like i hope i'm not totally wrong on this well i mean uh, another possible thing that i could see and and again i haven't checked into this particular thing is just that the the slightly larger air gap would be more resistance and that ends up being less current also i don't know why it's less yeah. current i just know it produces way less power right. so like if i'm in tight where the tip's supposed to be and i'm welding mm -hmm. zzz, even though i'm doing tacks like zzz, 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 and it's starting to get hot mm -hmm. and i pull back like a half inch and do the same thing yep the welds don't penetrate as much. Right. Right. And I don't know if it's because 
the bacon frying noise is a bunch of millisecond like deposits. Right. And when you pull it farther back, the time between the deposits takes longer. Mm-hmm. And as a result, there's less heat in it. Right. And I know you shouldn't, heat and current aren't the same thing. Right. And that's the big problem, right? But when you're welding sheet metal and it's thin, I only really care about heat. I'm literally just gluing the metal together. And welders are going to hate me for this, but I'm just gluing the sheet metal together like a glue stick. Right. And and to be so clear... So heat is my problem. Right. What we're talking about here is not like high-end car restoration. It's, <laughs> it's it, like hot rod stuff. Yeah, it's hot rod. It, it, we're, we're not talking about like repairing Ferraris to factory original, like, you know, unimplementable, uh, you know, perfect, you know, mirror finishes. We're not talking about that. We're talking about like stuff that real guys would do in their garage for cars that they're racing themselves. You know, yeah, guys, uh, Bill Caswell here. Like, I'm trained with an MBA. Like, I worked in investment banking. I quit my job and bought a MIG welder. Like, there's professionals out there. Like, my friends have gone to school for this. Right. And what I'm talking to is people are in their home garage. They want to create a custom hot rod. Uh huh. They're not doing this. They're not building a Brooklyn Bridge. Mm-hmm. Not building a battleship. Or, yeah. Or maybe some car they're racing. Or right? some car they're racing. Right. So we're talking about experience here, not like. The ultimate technical uh, practicality, you know. I'm, I'm dying to pick that book up and just turn to the page that tells me I'm not being an idiot here because <laughs> you caught me a bit off guard with the welding stuff. <laughs> but it, but it, look, it, this is my practical experience, right? I know that I could never, ever weld BMWs together. I had such a problem sticking sheet metal together that I never built hot rod BMWs because I'd always burn through and I'd burn through and there'd be smoke and it was just awful. Yep. Something happened where I figured out this deal where I can almost run the MIG welder like a TIG, like the way you feed it in and you can buzz the current up and down with your foot. Uh-huh. I can effectively do the same thing by pulling the MIG in and out, controlling the heat that's hitting it and the timing of it. I, I feel like I want to jump in here too and say that I have attempted uh, to do sheet metal stuff with TIG just because I had a TIG machine and it's what I learned on. And I do not consider that easy. No way. And, I'd rather use a MIG every day. Right. And and so for anyone out there that's, that's listening, you're like, uh, you know, if, if we're just talking about the differences between these, you know, multi-thousand dollar machines, uh, you know, in no way should you take the idea, oh, TIGs are a much more precision welding machine. They are. For sheet metal, I think it's totally the wrong tool. I'm not even sure you can do it. I mean, maybe if it was I like... I mean, if you're a master welder, obviously, but... And, and again, if it's, it was perfectly prepared... You know, like two virgin pieces of steel sheet metal on the bench. Yeah, totally. But that's not what we're talking about. We're talking about cars that are like built already and, and we're being modified or repaired. And, and even then, the thing with TIG is that like you can hold the pool molten. Yep. Right? So you, if you got everything right and you're working your foot right, you can actually like melt the pool mm-hmm. and it stays molten. Then you feed the filler rod into it. Yep. Well, you do that with like a millimeter of sheet metal that falls to the ground. Yep. It's not going to work. No. Like TIG's for like... Lots of other cool stuff. That would yeah, be a different show. A different show. Putting two objects together and doing it like... Yeah. If you need to weld like a razor blade to a railroad track. Yeah. Plus like uh, when people start like... Your odds of producing a better weld are so much greater with Mick. Mm-hmm. Like uh, you TIG two pieces together and you think it's precision, but you like undercut the weld. Yep. Like that's far more dangerous than if you would just MIG the thing and put a bunch of material in there. Mm-hmm. Like there's a whole thing on concave welts. Like 
in the chapter of the yep. book that you can't see because we're on a podcast. But my point is like that's why in the racing rule books they don't allow us in a lot of series to take weld cages. Because you can have a weld that like looks good but doesn't penetrate. It's right. just like the first millimeter and you did the little beads and you deposited the beads and yeah. you just etched it in. But it looks pretty. Yeah. You get the nice little overlapping. Yeah. Right. But you do that with a MIG. It if you see that bead and it's into the steel, you can tell right away that, that the heat's actually, right and that, the that penetrates. Right. Right. Exactly yeah. right. And you can see the craters if they're cold welded. Yeah. Um yeah, I don't want to rag on a company, but someone's... Yeah, should we wrap this all up? I, I think that's a pretty good coverage of, of specifically the topic of, of welding and how it relates to, to sheet metal and what guys do on cars. I so. mean, okay, fine. So what we're talking about, though, is basically moving the MIG in and out to control the temperature, yeah. right? And then doing a lot of little spot welds so that as the metal starts to glow... Oh, the other thing, too, is move around a lot. Like so, top of the bo- top of the thing. No, I weld thing. like an inch, and then I stop, and I go somewhere else. And I weld for an inch, and I let the whole steel cool. Like you're moving like a, a foot away from where yes, you're? or yeah. six inches roughly right. to the and point where like you can't touch near the weld; it'll burn your hands. Right, but you can go like six inches away, and it's like warm to the touch. Right. So even if you're stitching, you're not necessarily stitching in sequence. Oh God, no! I'm all over the place. Yeah. So or you can just stop and let the whole piece cool now, right. but I don't want to wait that long. So like. Uh, I just cut the transmission tunnel out of the, the M Roadster thing. Uh-huh. And I had to put that whole thing back in. If I welded the whole way, I could weld for like an inch and then I'd get a burn through. Yeah. Because the whole piece heat soaks. Much like when you TIG weld, say like aluminum, they tell you to like bring the whole piece up to temperature so it's right. already hot. Right. Well, that happens once you MIG for an inch in a solid thing, the whole chunk of metal gets hot. So all of a sudden you're putting your same voltage, same temperature MIG into that same area of steel. Mm-hmm. And it, it just burns right through because you're already at, I don't know, 100, 200 degrees, whatever the hell it is. And the next thing you know, you've added too much. Right. So if your settings work for a cold piece of steel, you weld for your inch until it's no longer a cold piece of steel. And then you need to move to a cold piece of steel. Right. And let the other piece cool down and come back. Mm-hmm. And so the moving the MIG out and farther out happens as the piece gets hotter and hotter and hotter and you can see it start to glow in the mass, the pool looks different. It changes color. Uh-huh. And that's when I move it out. And then the other thing you got to do is turn your gas way up. Mm-hmm. So more shielding. Get, yeah. More shielding, more coverage. You're going to blow through more gas quicker, but who cares? Because it's not that expensive. An extra 10 cents of gas versus the frustration of having ridiculous most, pieces of sheet metal fall to the ground. Most people have loose enough fittings on their machine that just like having the tank hooked up and turned on, they lose more gas than they would just by flowing more gas on their weld. Yeah. Right. So, uh, yeah, I guess the point is, is you can weld sheet metal is not that hard. I used to suck at it and I still do, but practice is what it's about. How how many hours do you think you got into it before you're like, oh, I'm 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 not, not, not I'm not pissed off at myself. Uh, I don't really know. It was I've welded so many footer plates into like cages, mm-hmm. and I always have problems. Doesn't matter what it is, you're welding downward, right? But doing the weird seven series where it was vertical, yeah, it took me like maybe a half hour of games uh-huh. until I got some settings that I liked on the MIG, yeah, uh, where the wire speed wasn't too high. Yeah. Because the other thing is you can turn the wire speed down so it doesn't poke through the thing. But mm-hmm. then you don't get the bacon noise. You get this weird gap and it doesn't work. And as you start to pull out, it just won't weld because the thing hits and needs to start a fresh weld. Like the the newer the machine, the better the quick start on the weld. They've got some circuitry where it ramps up the current when it touches mm-hmm. and then backs it off. So like, and I don't know what the right technology is, but they're like the newer Millers, right. they're so much easier to weld with than mine that I got 10 years ago. So I have a 215 in California. I have a 211 here that, Miller gave me in like 2010. The 215, it's got like a digital display. 
I yep. tell the welder if I'm welding 100% CO2 or 75-25. Right. The welder wants to know what gas I'm using. Mm-hmm. And then it adjusts all the voltage and the start based on the gas I'm using. And then it's got this ramp up to get the weld to penetrate. Yep. And then it quickly backs off so you don't burn through. So the newer welders are doing what I'm doing artificially with right. my old welder by starting the weld close and then pulling it back so I'm not getting as much current. Right. And right. Wrap-up question, sort of final uh, off-the-wall yeah. related. Uh, sheet metal with stick welder. Ever attempted? No. I've only ever stick welded once. Yeah? Ever seen it done? Ever? ever can we... No, not Man. even any desert stuff? Sheet metal? It's so hot. Like, sticks are for battleships. Yeah. Um, no, I mean, the nice thing about stick is that the metal can be dirty. Yeah. And it just blows all the contaminants out of it. Mm-hmm. Right? Yeah. Um, I don't know. Let's try it. I got stick. <laughs> I mean, it's not, it's not that hard. I've got the leftover doors. Right, so uh, if no other episodes come out, uh, we'll be sitting in a pool of uh, molded sheet metal. <laughs> all right, everybody. Wrong one. <laughs> all right, everyone. Bill Caswell here, Anders Green. A little bit of basic welding on sheet metal. Yeah, yeah, which, which most people don't usually touch on. Yep, and, uh, you know, feel free to add some comments, because I assume there's some comments you can do and ask more questions. And sure. We'll come yeah. back and retouch on those. And uh, thank you so much. Basic sheet metal welding. All right. Cheers, guys. <laughs>